Rigdon. It's Wednesday night. And here we are. <laughs> uh oh. Something's not right, Will. You're all right. You're good. It's flashing. I'm flashing. Okay. I got the thumbs up. I got the thumbs up from my wife. Hey, two people watching. Thanks, guys. Hi, Kayla. Kayla. <laughs> One me, yeah, that one COVID either. Um, yeah, glad you're here on a Wednesday night. Welcome to my living room. I got Martha with me, keeping track of things. Um, I got my son Will, who's working at home, my home, keeping uh, keeping me in line here. Hello and Charlene, the Ingrams and the Humphreys, good to see you. And Kayla. And Kayla. I see Kayla. Uh, Daryl and Fanny and yeah. Look at this, all my friends showing up tonight. Glad you're here. Uh, let's see, we'll give everybody just a minute or two to jump on because I, uh, because I want to get some feedback from you tonight. I asked you to be thinking about a question, and um, I'm hoping to get some feedback. And I really appreciate it when, and I think you do too, when you kind of sign on and, and let each other know that we're together. Um, that's encouraging. And I am going to encourage you to share some thoughts tonight. Uh, Martha is going to try to keep up with comments and relay those as best you can. So, um, by the way, I was out with my wife today, this afternoon, lunchtime. We actually went into a restaurant at lunch. We haven't done that in a long time. We went into a restaurant after 12 o'clock when, when it wasn't crowded and um, um, saw, Bruce and saw Bruce and Kathy who had been gone Visiting their brand new twin granddaughters, yes, granddaughters in their home, and uh, so I'm glad uh, Bruce and got home safe, and glad that uh, the babies, uh, twins, are doing well. Mom and everybody's doing good. Um, okay, it is seven o'clock, and we're gonna start on time, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Glad that you are here. I've got a challenge for you at the beginning of this class then a challenge for you at the end of the class and the challenge this evening to start things kind of my icebreaker is i mentioned in the announcement if you saw it i want you to think if you could go back in time if you go back to any event in the life of jesus with the exception of the crucifixion and the resurrection and I'm only, I'm only bracketing those out because I think most of us would say that's where I'd like to, to be. Um, what event would you go back in time to witness? Not necessarily to be a part of, but just to be able to sort of, you know, fly on the wall kind of thing. To, to get a feel for what's going on. Uh, maybe it would be, um, you know, the birth of Jesus. I don't know. Um, you know, 12 years old. 
what was he talking about in the, the temple with all those people? Maybe it's one of his miracles, a specific miracle. Maybe it's a teaching. Uh, of all the events that uh, we read about in the Gospels, what event would you like to go back and witness? And if you're very bold, I want you to put that in the comments. And while you're thinking, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about that, because I had a lot of time to think about it. And I came up with my top five list of things that I would like to go back in time, excluding the crucifixion and resurrection, things that I would like to go back in time and just be a witness to. Um, and I've said this before, this is my top five list for today. It very well might change tomorrow. But for today, just to get you thinking and give you some time to post, here's my top five events of the life of Jesus that I would like to go back and witness. And number one, look at this graphics, people, is the transfiguration. Matthew chapter 17. By the way, this is a painting by Raphael. Impressive, right? Transfiguration. I think that would be uh, fascinating. Jeannie uh, Thomas agrees with me. Jeannie Thomas agrees. See there? Absolutely. My work here is done, Jeannie. Um, but Jesus, Elijah, Moses, the voice of God, Peter, Andrew, James. Uh, or not Peter, Andrew, Peter, James, and John. Uh, yeah, that, that'd be number five. Here's number four on my list of events I'd like to, to witness. And you're not going to have this one on your list, I don't think. And it might not make my list tomorrow, but I put a lot of thought into this. Uh, number four is uh, Jesus in the home of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. By the way, this is another painting for you. Another painting by Johannes Vernier. Um, it's supposed to be a pretty well-known painting. I never heard of it before, but uh, I'll tell you why I picked that event. Could you imagine being in that intimate of a situation, a setting, with Jesus in your home. You know, we know that he was talking about spiritual things because Mary was there listening. We know that there were some other things going on. The disciples were there, at least some of them, and Martha was serving. But could you imagine having time with Jesus in your home? I think that would be awesome. Um, number three of Tim's list of things that uh, he would like, events that he would like to see. Uh, Sermon on the Mount. We've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount the last couple weeks. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. There's another painting for you. Uh, Karl Bloch, his rendition of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. And I'd like to have heard that. I would like to have been there in real time as Jesus just sat down and just started talking. No... And just kind of let that teaching soak in. Um, that's number three for me. Number two, I suspect, so I haven't even looked at the comments yet, but I suspect some of you uh, might agree with me on this. And this is my number two event, uh, the Last Supper. Um, Luke 22, John 13, 14, 15, 16. Me and Jackie Cash. Uh, Jackie Cash. Nicely done, Jackie. Uh, yeah, the Last Supper. There's the famous painting by Leonardo da Vinci uh, of the Last Supper. Um, so much went on that night. Uh, just the whole atmosphere was so 
intense and so meaningful and the things that Jesus said and the things that he did, uh, boy, that would have been a room to be in. And for tonight, my number one event that I would like to go back and witness if I could travel back in time in the life of Jesus, excluding the cross and the resurrection, I put the ascension. Uh, Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascending into heaven. And there's Rembrandt's uh, rendition of Jesus's ascension into heaven. To be standing there and watching Jesus um, disappearing in the clouds and then to have angels say, why are you staring at this? He's going to come back. That would have been a moment. So those were my five. Um, has anybody shared, Martha? Oh, I can't keep up. Can't keep well, up. A lot of people said when Jesus flipped the tables. When Jesus flipped the tables, really. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would like to see angry Robert Jesus. Chadwick, Gloria Baker, Mark. Mark. Okay. Yeah. Kind of yeah. a different side of Jesus. Yeah. I don't know. I'd, I'd rather be around Jesus when he was loving than when he was angry. But hey, those are, I didn't make up, I guess I did make up the rules, but. That's good. What else? When Bethea walked on the water. When walking on water. I thought about that one. That would be scary at first. I don't know if I'd want to be in the boat, but yeah. It'd be uh, pretty Wanda, impressive. feeding of the 5,000. Wanda, feeding of the 5,000. And calming the storm. And calming the storm. Jimmy, Renee, which uh, Lauren. Lauren. <laughs> Lauren, who was probably Jimmy and Renee, said. Uh, raising of Lazarus. Yeah. Charlene Odom. Yeah, Charlene and Jimmy no, and Renee. Not Charlene Odom. No, Jim. It was Jim. Jim. Okay. Charlene's account. Raising of Lazarus. That would have been pretty. Uh, Mark Pestosman said healing the blind man. Okay. Healing the blind man. With Ooh. the mud and the dirt. Ooh, healing the blind man with the mud and the dirt. Uh, hey, that'd be a good idea for Carol. a sermon. Hmm. Okay. Carol Bianche, uh, sermon uh, amount. Uh, Carol, me and you. Uh, Cindy Bradley, the demons to the pigs. Ooh, yeah. That'd be kind of, that'd be scary. I think that'd be kind of frightful. Mike, when the soldiers come to the garden. When the soldiers come to the garden, frightening. Yeah, when the soldiers come for Jesus in the garden. Carol Berry said he just got on that you mentioned the transfiguration. Yeah, that was number two on my list. No, that was number five on my list, but number one on yours maybe. How about you, Martha? Uh, I kind of can't pick. I'm like the crowd. I follow Jesus to see the miracles. To show the uh, compassion, the compassion okay. he always showed in healing. The compassion that he showed in healing. So his miracles. Okay, miracles of compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, the lady who touched the lady who touched his robe. Ah, uh, yeah, the woman with the issue of blood touched his robe. Who's healed? He touched of me. The ten lepers. Uh, yeah. Nice. How about you, Will? Some... Well, I'm going to cheat a little in my scenario. I'm going to be interacting with Jesus. But the <laughs> the seven mile walk, seven mile walk. Okay. Did anybody else say the seven mile walk to Emmaus? It's actually pretty good. It's seven miles to walk and talk with Jesus. You wouldn't know who he was if you're interacting. Well, I'm breaking the rules, and I am. Oh, I don't know who he okay. Is. Very good. Okay. Uh, Robert uh, Shabbat said the writing on the ground just to see what he wrote. <laughs> yeah. Just to answer that question, and what did you write on the ground? Healing the lame man to walk. Okay. Those, yeah. 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 Kind of interesting to think about all the Sorry, interesting things that that, um, that Jesus did. That uh, it really did happen. 
you know, they, they really, there were people that saw just about all of those things. Um, okay, I am going back to the Sermon on the Mount tonight. We've been talking about things that Jesus said, did, conversations, parables. And the last couple weeks, uh, we have been kind of focused on the parable of the, or, or the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. You can go ahead and open up your Bibles to the Sermon on the Mount. This particular sermon, it's actually pretty early on in Jesus's ministry. Matthew doesn't record a whole lot of things that Jesus does before this. Um, he talks about his uh, being tempted in the desert by uh, the devil, um, calls his disciples, um, and he heals people. He's healing a lot of people. In fact, the last verse in chapter 4, before we get into the Sermon on the Mount, says this, uh, Matthew 4, 25, Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, J Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. There were huge crowds following Jesus, which would have been very unusual for a rabbi in that day, especially a rabbi who's just kind of starting. I mean, Jesus was drawing crowds, like, like a magnet. Jesus was drawing people to him. Now, some came for the hope. Some came for the hype. Some came for the healing. You know, there's all kinds of reasons that people came, but, but they came. And, and Jesus was drawing these huge crowds. So Jesus sits down on the hillside and he begins, this, you know, we call it a sermon, just basically a conversation with these people. And I've told you, I think the last two weeks, the information that he is sharing is so different and so radical from what these people are used to hearing from their rabbis and in their synagogues. You know, Jesus is really keeping a kingdom focus here. And we know the Sermon on the Mount so well, and we've dissected it to, into such a degree that it doesn't seem that startling to us. But Jesus makes a bunch of really startling statements. You know, last week we talked about, um, in fact, my announcement was the crazy things that Jesus said that'll change your life forever. And Jesus started comparing what they always knew to what he was now saying. You have heard it said, but I say to you, you have heard it said, but I say to you, and tonight I want to look at a statement that Jesus makes that is every bit as challenging, every bit as startling. He says something that is really going to get their attention. Uh, it should get ours. Uh, I'm not sure it gets ours in the same way. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. This isn't where we're going to stay, but I want you to listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, I'm going to tell you something. Unless your righteousness, and he doesn't define what that is. I think he sort of assumes that everybody knows what that is. Unless your righteousness, unless the things you do on a spiritual level, uh, unless that surpasses, not approaches, not comes close to, not gets in the same direction, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now imagine being on the hillside that day. 
Because I guarantee they heard that statement a whole lot differently than we hear that statement. When we hear that statement, unless your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, we immediately think hypocrite. We immediately think those are the people who didn't get it. Those are the people who took Jesus's uh, teaching and God's will and they twisted it and they polluted it and, and they made it to fit their own agenda. And that's what we think. When they heard Jesus say, unless your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees, then the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they didn't think hypocrite. They thought expert. These are the people that we have put up on a pedestal all of our lives. These are the people who are tasked with telling us and teaching us what God's word is, what God's word says, and what God's word means. I mean, these are the experts. We're just the common people. We're just the average people. You know, we're the broken people. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the poor in spirit. He's talking to those that mourn. He's talking to all those people who've been marginalized. And he tells them, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, how could they possibly be more righteous than the Pharisees? How could they possibly be more holy than the teachers of the law? Now, Jesus, you are setting the bar way too high. We could never do that. And I think Jesus is thinking, and I think he's, he's going to indicate, no, I'm really not setting the bar that high. I'm probably setting the bar too low. Listen, you can do this. Hey, you really can do this. Um, because in the kingdom, it's not going to be just about saying. And it's not going to be just about knowing. It's going to be about doing. It's going to be about living. It's not going to be who knows the most. It's going to be what do you do in your life with what you know? How does God's word change you and transform you and affect you? You know, the Pharisee was all about, how do people see me? What can people do for me? Look at me. How can, how can you help me? You know, I want to impress you. Jesus says in the kingdom, it's going to be about, let me look at other people. How can I serve someone else? What can I do to help someone else? Now, flip over to chapter 6. We're going to spend the rest of our time in the first couple verses of chapter 6. Um, there's a little bit of a shift in Jesus's teaching between chapter five and six. And again, of course, he didn't stop and say, okay, let's take a 10 minute break and we'll come back and I'll start a new chapter. He's, he's just talking. But there is a bit of a shift in his talking. He gets, starts getting personal, uh, not just, you know, people and relationships. Now he, he starts getting pretty personal in chapter six. Let me read for you the first four verses of Matthew chapter six. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness. He just talked about if unless your righteousness uh, surpasses that of the Pharisees. And he says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness. And again, he doesn't describe what that is. They all understood. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, 
do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. There's actually a lot going on in those four verses, but I don't want to bury the lead. I don't want to miss the obvious. Verse 2 begins with, so when you give to the needy. Verse 3 begins, but when you give to the needy. Jesus makes an assumption here. And his assumption is, you're going to give to the needy. You're going to help people. You're going to reach out and show compassion and kindness to people who uh, are a little bit uh, less fortunate than you are. You know, I said that so much of the Sermon on the Mount is so radical and so different. This particular teaching, it's not. It's not radical. It's not different. Jesus says you're going to help the needy. You're going to give to the needy. You know it and I know it. We all know it. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. When you give to the needy. Um, remember, he's talking to pretty needy people. He's talking to the poorer people, to the marginalized people. And yet he, he's telling them, you're going to do this. You know, if you look back into the Torah, you know, the, the Pentateuch, we call it, um, there are dozens of passages where God instructs his people to take care of the needy, to take care of the poor. I mean, it is all over the, 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 the first five books of the, of the Old Testament. Uh, let me share with you just one, just so you don't have to believe me. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. Uh, just listen to this, talking about a poor person. Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and toward the poor and the needy in your land. Jesus is just reminding them of what they already knew back from the Torah. There's going to be poor people who need things. There's going to be people who are less uh, uh, blessed than you are with physical things. You're going to help them. You're going to be open-handed towards them. They understood that teaching. I suspect they probably practiced that teaching uh, probably a little bit better than we do. And we have all kinds of reasons why we can ignore or at least rationalize why we don't have to be looking after people who are a little less fortunate than we are, have a little bit less, because we can always compare ourselves with somebody who has more, right? Well, these people could too. And still Jesus is saying, now, when you help people who are in need, I, I think as Americans, we have vastly overestimated our, um, our input into our own wealth, and we have vastly underestimated God's purpose for it. God's blessed us to be a blessing. We've talked about that before. Uh, so Jesus is teaching uh, when your focus is on God, in the kingdom, we're going to focus on the Father. But in doing that, we're going to pay attention to people who, who, might, uh, who might be needing something. You know, our, our, your religion is, is way off track. 
if you're ignoring uh, people who just have some needs. Let me read the first two verses of Matthew 6 again. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen of them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they received their reward in full. That's pretty strong language that Jesus is using. That's some pretty strong imagery that Jesus is sharing. And you, you get a sense of Jesus being pretty frustrated with the people who are guilty of doing what he's just described, uh, of misrepresenting uh, their, their motives behind what they're doing. Jesus is basically saying, it doesn't do any good to do the right thing if you do it for the wrong reasons. It doesn't do any good to, to help someone and to give if you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. In fact, Jesus says, you're not going to have any uh, reward. Actually, he says, I, I should admit that. He, he says, you will have a reward. You're going to impress some people, but you are not going to impress God. God's not looking for the show. God's looking for the heart. And then just in case they missed it, he ratchets it up a notch. Don't be like the hypocrites who announce it with trumpets in the synagogues and the streets so they get the attention of men. Everyone listening to Jesus would have known what he was talking about. But when Jesus makes that statement, and I just think this is kind of interesting, uh, don't be like the hypocrites who announce it with trumpets in the synagogues and in the streets. Apparently, there were people who gave in the synagogue accompanied by trumpets. <laughs> Could you imagine like the, the uh, plates being passed and somebody stands up with a trumpet and uh, look over here, look at here, look how much I'm putting in. Well, that's what was going on apparently. Not only did these people know what Jesus was talking about, I think they, they knew who Jesus was talking about. Ah, he's talking about that guy with the big vineyard on the edge of town. Yeah, that guy who always uh, has the trumpet playing when he comes with his offering. You know, here, I've looked up to him all my life. I always wished I could be like that. I wished I had that much money. I wish I could be that generous. And Jesus says, no. Those people, they're not going to get a reward they're thinking they're going to get. The only reward they're going to get is, is by the people they're impressing. But trust me, they are not impressing God. Seventeen times in the Gospels, Jesus is going to use the word hypocrite. And every time it's attached as a stinging condemnation to some religious person who is supposed to be showing people the heart of God instead of kind of showing people the opposite of what God's heart really is. Um, Jesus had no time for hypocrites. I've had people tell me, you probably have too, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. And I always think, boy, you and Jesus are, you're on the same page there. Jesus agrees with you 100%. Yeah, the church is full of hypocrites. In fact, Bay Area is full of all kinds of sinners. 
And that's, that's kind of where we should be, right? But we're working on it. None of us are perfect. We're working on it because Jesus makes it really clear that, that he doesn't want our righteousness to be something we turn on and turn off depending on who's watching. I, I want to I share with you a, a personal story, and I sort of hesitate to do this, but I'm going to share it anyway. I think I've told this story to, in some setting at another time. Um, the youth group heard it a lot. The youth group's probably heard it because um, back way, they're not in the youth group anymore, but um, because it was so humbling when it happened 20 years ago. Martha and I are working with teenagers, and she says, you know what? We need to go get qualified uh, in a lifeguard class, life-saving class, because, man, you know, we're, we're at the beach. We're, you know, tubing and canoeing and yeah. campground, you know, camp, never had a lifeguard. We need to get certified as a lifeguard. And I thought, no, you need to get certified as a lifeguard, um, and then that'll solve the problem. No, you need to do it too, Tim. Now, Martha is a great swimmer. She used to swim competitively. I always thought that I was eh, kind of an average swimmer. It turns out I am a much below average swimmer. So she talks me into this thing. She said, listen, there's a class on Saturday mornings at the Brandon Swim and Tennis Club. Uh, we can go there, knock it out in a couple weeks. And I'm like, no, I have to get in shape. And no, you don't. She's done it several times. It starts slow and you kind of build up. You can handle it. So she talks me into it. We go to this Brandon Swimming uh, Tennis Club. It's me, Martha, and five teenagers at Brandon High School who were all five on the Brandon High swim team. They all five wanted to get certified so that they could work at Adventure Island. They needed their certification. We sit down on these little uh, benches there. Our instructor comes out. He knows all five of these kids. He's coached them before. So he walks up, his name's Ed, and he says, okay, we are gonna start with a 1,500-meter uh, swim. I just wanna see how you swim, get that out of the way. And I panicked. I look at Martha like, you said it'd be slow. No, I, I'd never swum 1,500 meters in my life. I mean, all combined, all my swimming, all my life didn't add up to 1,500 meters. I didn't even know how long 1,500 meters was, but I knew it was farther than I wanted to go. So we get in the water. It's, you know how long that pool is, by the way? Olympic-sized pool, 50 meters, 50 meters up, back. That's 15 laps. And I'm thinking, this is not good. He said, I'm not going to time yet. Take your time. I just want to see how you swim. And he goes, I want you to do the first uh, 400 meters in breaststroke. I want you to do the next 400 meters in a side stroke. And then 400 meters in freestyle. And then the last, you, whatever you want to do. And I'm thinking, I have no idea what those strokes are. No, I just don't want to have a stroke. So we get in the water. Martha's beside me. And she says, listen, just pace yourself. Go slow. Oh, I'm going slow. All right. So he blows the whistle. Everybody else just takes off. I mean, I am like 30 meters behind immediately. And they're just lapping me over and over again. They just keep lapping me. And uh, I am getting tireder and tireder. At the 10th lap, I am whipped. I mean, I I'm doing the doggy paddle. I, I, I don't care what it looks like. I'm just trying not to drown. And Martha swims up beside me and she said, how you doing? And I remember telling her, when I get out of this pool, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I'm doing. 
well, you can't quit. I'm not going to quit. I'll make it. But so she's swimming beside me, trying to encourage me. And then she said, hey, he's not looking. Just walk. And I think to myself, I can't do that. But I'm, I'm like doing this. I mean, I, I'm going like, and I think, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm walking. So I look over and he's not looking. I start walking. And then I start running. You know, I'm, I'm running through the water. And I'm watching him as I'm running. And every time he looks, I start acting like I'm swimming again. Because I'm still watching him. And every time he turns around, I get up and I just start running as fast as I can. Of course, the kids have all finished 20 minutes ago. They're all sitting on the edge of the pool waiting. You know, the, the last 30 meters or so, he turns around. So I'm swimming the last 30 meters, you know, just barely keeping my head above water. I drag myself out of the pool. And Ed says, let's all give Tim a hand for finishing the, 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 the swim. And this little girl sitting there said, well, he walked the last 200 meters. <laughs> and I said, you know, with that kind of attitude, I'm probably not going to save you if it comes down to it. <laughs> it was so humbling. Compassion. Compassion, yeah. But I want you to know, on the written test, I blew everybody away. Didn't I, Martha? Yes, I did. Yes, yes, yes you did, Tim. The highest score on yes. the written test. So if you want to know how to save somebody, see me. If you actually want to save somebody, see Martha. But uh, I tell you that example for this. By the time I got to the end of that, 1500 meters. All I wanted to do was get that guy to think that I could swim, that I could finish the race. I didn't care. I wasn't had anything to prove to myself. I wouldn't prove anything to anybody else except him. All I wanted to do was impress him. All I cared about was I want that guy to think that I'm really doing something that I'm not doing that I'm accomplishing something that I really can't accomplish. Kind of a silly example, I guess, but on a much more serious level. I think that's a little bit of what Jesus is talking about. I think he's talking about that need for us to kind of reach down deep into our hearts and to grab on to that, that part of our heart that's just pure and right and righteous that part of our heart that wants to do the right things for the right reasons and, and kind of push all that other stuff aside. You know, Jesus's message is, you know, listen, you know, religion's gotten pretty messed up. You know, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, uh, don't put them on a pedestal. They look a lot better than their hearts really are. Uh, this religion, it's, it's not about external compliance. It's about internal transformation. I keep talking about uh, transformation and I keep talking about the relationship that God wants to invite us to have with him and his son. And the reason I keep talking about it is because Jesus keeps talking about it. Jesus keeps coming back to the fact that Christianity is a relationship. It is a living, loving, ever growing, ever expanding relationship with God. And with God's son. So on the hillside, Jesus sits down and he starts painting this picture of something that, that's really different than what everyone else is talking about. Um, and there's something very powerful about that. You know, people kept coming back to Jesus. 
And yeah, you can say, well, they were coming back because you kept healing them. Well, not everybody on the hillside needed healed. Not everybody that came to Jesus was, was sick or lame. I mean, Jesus drew people to him with this message of you have worth and you have a place to belong. You can have a relationship with God the creator and you can have a personal relationship with the Messiah. And there's something really powerful about that. And there's something very attractive to people about that. I think it's the way we're wired. You know, I think it's it's in our DNA. Um, so I, I told you that I had um, a challenge for you at the beginning and the end. We've already accomplished our first challenge. I've got another challenge for the rest of the, the week, maybe through the weekend. Um, it's been a while since I've given you a challenge. Um, I don't want you to panic. You're not going to have to post anything during this challenge. You're not going to have to swim. <laughs> I don't even like taking a deep tub anymore. You know, I've kind of sworn off swimming. Um, but here's the challenge. You, know, you don't have to post it on social media. In fact, if you do post it on social media, it kind of undoes the whole purpose. So, But here's the challenge. Um, in the next uh, couple of days, I'm going to leave a phrase with you that I want you to think about. And here's the phrase. Look at this, Matt. More graphics. Here's the phrase. Here's my chance. I want you to think about that phrase this week. Here's my chance. Say it out loud. Go ahead. Say it with me. Here's my chance. Nicely done. Thank you. Um, you're going to have some opportunities this week. And it doesn't have to be anything really big. But you're going to have some opportunities this week. You're going to be at Publix this week. You're going to have your little green carry on carry around box you know with with seven items in it like adrian ravenel i saw him in Publix a couple weeks ago he had his little his little basket with you know four or five uh, things in it you're gonna you're gonna be like adrian you're gonna be carrying that little basket around and you're gonna walk towards the 10 item or less uh cashier and right before you get in line some lady with a buggy full of groceries Carrying without, without a mask, came up the wrong way on the aisle. Oh, they've, taken them up. they've taken them up. Martha says the Plant City Publix doesn't have the arrows anymore. Well, anyhow, she's going to cut you off with a handful of coupons and a checkbook. And you're going to look around Publix. And you're not going to see anybody from church. You're not going to see anybody you know. No one's going to know how you're going to respond to that uh, situation. And I want you to think in that moment, here's my chance. Here's my chance to just smile. Let her go in front of me. It's really not that big a deal. Here's my chance. Or... Dwayne Peterson is looking for a couple volunteers to help man one of the teams that does the community feeding on Saturdays. Some of you might not know this. Every Saturday, uh, Bay Area feeds the community with uh, what is now during the COVID thing is basically a sack lunch with the, some really good food in it. And Dwayne has done such a great job of organizing this thing. It runs like a well-oiled machine. Uh, it's like 
60 minutes out of your week on a Saturday, um, if that even. Uh, but he needs a couple more people to, to round out one of the teams. And you're going to think of all the kind of reasons why you can't volunteer for that. But, you know, in this COVID time we're living in, it seems like it's tougher and tougher to find ways to interact with people and to feel like I'm making a difference. So you're going to think when you're thinking about, hmm, you know, Dwayne needs some help. And what you're going to think is, here's my chance. Here is my chance to spend just a little bit of time on a Saturday afternoon to drive to the building. Kind of want to see what the building, kind of remember what it looks like, right? And uh, just to be part of a team that's handing out food uh, on a Saturday afternoon. Here's your chance. Speaking of the quarantine thing, there are a lot of people in Bay Area right now who are not just isolated, but really isolated. I mean, we, we have a lot of members who live alone. We have a lot of members who are elderly. And uh, man, it's lonely. And then you think, well, wouldn't it be great if somebody sent them a note? Wouldn't it be great if somebody gave them a call? Maybe even stop by and knock on their door and you know, do the social distance thing, but just say, hey, thinking about you. Just wanted to see your face and say hi. And again, that takes time. And that takes effort. But I want you to think, here's my chance. I have a chance. I have a chance to cheer somebody up. I've got a chance to encourage someone. I can do that. People encourage me all the time. Um, this week, you're going to run into somebody with a really strong opinion on something. Maybe it's an opinion on uh, politics. Maybe it's an opinion on, you know, the, 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 the virus thing. Maybe it's an opinion on what's going on in our world, in our country, and, uh, you know, in the church, whatever. And it's really easy sometimes to want to take sides and to, to say some things that might not be encouraging, might even be a little bit mean. And I want you to pause before you post, before you comment, before you tweet. I want you to say, here's my chance. Here's my chance not to say something mean, not to prove that I'm the smartest person in the room, but here's my chance to say something encouraging. Here's my chance to quote a verse. Here's my chance to tell somebody that, uh, that I appreciate what they're doing, what they've done. Here's my chance to show people Jesus. Here's my chance to be an encouragement. Um, there's a real possibility during this isolation quarantine time. I'm not speaking personally, of course, and I don't know anything about this personally, but maybe there's a little bit of tension in your home. Not here, but maybe there's some tension in your home. I mean, the kids haven't been in school and you're not sure when they're going to school and you're working from home and, um, you know, the kids bothering you and your husband's working from home and he's been around the house too much or he's not working from home or, you know, just it's just such a weird time. And it's so easy to kind of lose patience with the people who are most patient with us. And it's so easy not to show grace to the people who show us so much grace. 
And I want you to think, here's my chance. Here's my chance. Right here in my own house, in my own home, with my wife, with my kids, with my brother, with my sister, with my parents. I got a chance to be somebody that's making things a little bit smoother and nicer and better this evening than to be complaining and grouchy and I don't know, I'm just going to have a chance to do that. Now, these are my people. These are the people I love. Here's my chance. So this week, someone's going to ask something of you. You're going to be asked to do something. You're going to be asked to give something. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's attention. Maybe it's an effort. But you're going to be asked to do something. And you're going to come up with all these reasons why mm, it's just not a good week. It's not a good day for me. Now, it's going to be tough for me. But remember the phrase that I want you to, to, to kind of tuck away. Here's my chance. Here's my chance to live like I'm a member of the kingdom. Here's my chance to, to live like I'm somebody who's been shown so much grace and so much forgiveness and so much love that how dare I withhold any of that from someone else? When you give to the needy, that's not always money. There's a lot of needy people that we run across. People who need attention, people who need encouragement, people who, um, who need forgiveness. And sometimes it's people who need money. But we want our acts of righteousness to be done for the right reasons. I want to reflect the, the image of uh, God in me. I want to be love of Jesus. I want people to know I, I belong to Jesus. I'm a member of the kingdom. So that's my encouragement uh, for this evening. I want to end with a prayer and then um, stick around for just a second. Let me make a couple announcements. Let's pray. Father, you have been so good to us and you have loved us in so many ways. Some that are really obvious and some that we never even see. But thank you for being a father who's patient and a father who uh, gives us so many ex ex second and third chances. Uh, Father, we're, we're prayerful as we have been for the situation that's going on worldwide with this uh, sickness, this virus. Uh, would you heal those who need healed? Would you um, help those who are working on a cure or a vaccine? Would you step in and, and do what only you can do? Uh, Father, we're, we're prayerful for some people, especially in our family. Uh, we're mindful of Rodland's parents, Roger and Amy, who are both going through some pretty serious health issues right now. And would you bless them and would you heal them if it's your will? And would you be with Rodland and her family as they go through this together? Uh, we're mindful of David Harkins, who is in St. Joseph Hospital in, um, in pretty dire straits right now. And I pray that you would bless him as well. And again, we're just asking you to do what, uh, what a loving father will do. And we know that that's your, your will and your desire. So, so bless David. Uh, we're thankful for the good news we heard about Bernadine uh, and her successful procedure. Uh, for the good news about Phil Humphrey and uh, kind of getting over the, the coronavirus. 
We're also prayerful for Meredith's mom, and she's tested positive, and and uh, and just uh, needs our prayers as well. Uh, so would you bless those that need bless, heal those that need healing, and and help us, Father, to be part of the encouragement. Help us to look for ways that we can show your love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for sticking with me tonight. Just a couple real quick announcements. I want to remind you of the two uh, virtual baby showers that um, are planned. One for the Crawl family, one for the Payne family. That information, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure uh, Angie has that on the BACC, you know, the uh, Bay Area Kids, Faith Lane. What's it called, Angie? Um, Faith, Lane. Faith Lane Kids. Faith Lane. Faith Lane Kids Facebook page, or you can call the office. Hello is always on top of that stuff. Also, um, if you have a Faith Lane child or a teenager, um, Angie and Robbie have a drive-in movie planned this weekend, Saturday, in the church parking lot uh, for the kids and their families. I'm not exactly sure what movie they landed on. Um, what was it? In and out, up and down, the Disney one with inside it's out. Inside out. out. Maybe it's inside you out. Guys think it's inside out? Huh? Classic. Yeah, I don't know that movie, but uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Movie um, is canceled because of uh, rain. Never mind. Day. Movie is canceled because of rain. You can watch it on Disney Plus. You can watch it on Disney Plus. How does Lo know it's going to be? How does Lo know it's going to be raining on Saturday? Because there's a tropical next depression weekend. next weekend. So don't watch it on Disney Plus. Save it. Don't watch it on Disney. I'm sorry. That's that's why that's why they don't let me make it announcements. Was concern, it was on vital concern. Pay attention to everyone else who's making. I got to get out of here. So my granddaughter says when people start getting, I got to get out of here. Bay Area kids. Bay Area kids. Oh, the wheels have come off the announcements. Um, hey, well, Mike says weather is pending. Weather. So if Mike doesn't know. If Mike doesn't know, how should I know? Listen, thanks for being, I, I am so sorry. Um, if you have a kid. If you have a kid, check Angie out some. If you have a kid, do not get Mike. your information from Angie me. Angie and Robbie will be in touch. That's if you have right. a kid, call Mike. He loves it. I miss you all. I'll see you all virtually on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock.